taken from the book of John, chapter 15, and reading on into chapter 16. It's page 1083 in the Church Bible, if you'd like to follow it in the Church Bible. John, chapter 15, reading from verse 26. When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when the time comes, you will remember that I warned you. I did not tell you this at first because I was with you. Now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your, own, for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is the word of the Lord. And the second reading is taken from Acts of the Apostles, finds on page 1103, Church Bibles, 1102 actually, and Acts 9, beginning at verse 1. Okay. So we just have the story of um, persecution that has spread the church out of Jerusalem and across into Samaria and beyond, and we've been hearing about Philip, who's been preaching the gospel in Samaria, where he's found himself driven by the persecution, and then uh, and beyond that. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, in Syria, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? said Saul. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up 
and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. Now, in Damascus, there was a disciple called Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on the street called Straight and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hand on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. How's everyone doing? I don't think I'm on. Am I on now? Yeah. Great. Well, um, it's an amazing story of, of transformation. And it's really quite exciting. And just before the service, someone asked me, um, do you get nervous? And I was like, yeah. Get really nervous. And I guess that um, that's a good thing. I can be honest, and I am nervous. And I'm relying on God's strength. I can't do this on my own. So Mike was just saying that last week we heard about, um, heard about Philip. And previous to that, we just heard about just numbers of people increasing daily who were coming to know Jesus. 3,000 at a time, and they were increasing their numbers daily. Some really, really exciting stuff happening. And then we see a change in the way disciples worked with, 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 um, with Philip as they were as they were moving off, as they were being persecuted. Philip, here's God's call. 
and he leaves this amazing move of God in response to God's call and he goes to find an Ethiopian racing his chariot. And for the first time, that's where we see one-to-one evangelism. And Philip goes and speaks to this guy and he, um, he's reading the scriptures, he's reading Isaiah. And Philip gets alongside him and um, Philip brings him to faith through the Old Testament. And that's really, really exciting. Because, you know, if I'm honest, sometimes I struggle with reading the Old Testament. But it's a wake-up call to me on how important it is for us to learn from what is written in the Old Testament. And, and the story of Philip also reminds me of, um, you know, when Jesus told that story about the shepherd who leaves his, his 99 to go and find the one. Well, that was like Philip. He was leaving this amazing move of God. Amazing stuff were happening. Lots of people were coming to know Christ. Lots of people were being healed. And then God calls him away from all that exciting stuff. I wonder how we would respond if we were involved in something really exciting and God calls us away. Would we, would we be obedient to God? Like Philip. And Philip does. He, he, he leaves everything. He leaves it all behind to go for the one. And that reminds me of that story that Jesus told about how important that one person is. And just as I was preparing this week, I really had it on my heart that there was, there was one person here tonight who feels alone, you feel like you're part of a church and, and you're no longer part of a church and, you, and you're lost. You're away from your flock. And that's been, it just been pressing at me. So I'm just, I'm just responding to what I feel God's telling me. And if that's you tonight, if you feel like you're on your own, God wants you to know that he loves you. And you belong. You belong in his house. He loves you. And you're not alone. And even when you've felt really lonely, even when you've you've been in those really dark places, he's always been with you. He's always been with you. Let's get into this passage. So here we have, for the first time in a couple of weeks ago, we were introduced to this character, Saul. Now he was, he was big trouble for the church, for the church. He hated everything about the church. He hated Christ. He hated Jesus. He was a Jew who went around arresting followers of Jesus he was the one what held people's coats while they stoned Stephen to death he was a Jesus hater he hated everything about the church everything it stood for he hated it, he couldn't stand it 
And then we're going to look at how the gospel gets hold of Saul in such a dramatic way. And how he would, how he would change from being the greatest destroyer of the church to be the greatest church planter, to be the greatest evangelist, to be the greatest encourager of the church. But it's more than just a story, isn't it? And I want us to, as we're going through this book of Acts, I want us to look at the gospel and how it got hold of Saul and how it transformed him. But I want us to take it away tonight. I want Saul's story to become our story. I want the story of the disciples in Acts to become our story tonight. The whole point of working through Acts is so that we can be a church who are bold enough to live out the book of Acts. I mean, how exciting would that be if every week we increased our numbers? I'm, I'm expecting that that's going to happen. And a lot of what I share tonight are going to be taken from the letters that Paul wrote to the church. And Saul, the great missionary, the greatest church planter, are you ready for Timothy, 1 Timothy? We're going to hear what he writes to, to the church in 1 Timothy, verse 15 and 17. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Excellent. And then we're going to hear Saul, uh, Paul write to Colossians. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death present to be holy in his sight without blemish. So how can Saul's story become part of our story? How can this, this piece of scripture impact our lives this evening? And I haven't got this big um, idea. It's a simple idea. Do you know that Jesus loves sinners? Absolutely, totally in love with sinful people. And we see that in this first few chapters of, not, of chapter 9. The answer is clear that Jesus loves sinners. Maybe you know this. Maybe you know this already. But sometimes it's good to remind us of the simple truths. That Jesus loves broken, sinful people. And we see that when he encounters Saul. Maybe it's just me, but I get really, really excited when I read in the Gospels about, about people who, who are sinning. That Jesus shouts from the rooftops, I love you. I love you sinful people. You know, there's a song, isn't there, we used to sing at Sunday school. Jesus loves me. 
How's it go? Has Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And if you, if, you take, if you don't take away anything tonight, take that away, that you are loved and you belong. But what else does the Bible point us to? It points us to creation. And that all of God's perfect creation was ruined by the fall. And all of earth and all of human and any human being that has ever lived on earth or inhabited the earth lives under the curse of sin. And, and we're ruined. But the story doesn't end there, does it? It doesn't end there. God in his great, great mercy sent a redeemer. He never left us to, to figure it out ourselves. He sent his son, Jesus. He sent us to do something we can't do, to snatch us from the pits of hell. And the Bible points to creation and then the fall and then redemption and then restoration. And nothing solidifies this more, does it, than than the gospels of Jesus, the one who came to live a faultless life, a life that none of us can live, to die a death that we didn't deserve, to conquer the enemies that we couldn't conquer. And why? Why would Jesus do this? First of all, to honour his dad, to give the glory back to his father, and to give us the greatest gift ever, the gift of Jesus. He came for sinners. If we look at the the depths of sin here, if we look at the depths of sin in Saul, he hated Jesus and everything that the church stood for. And what I'm I'm trying to get across here is, is that sin is not in a neutral position. It's not neutral. Sin is in active control of our lives. All of us, all of our lives, it's not passive. It affects every area of our life. And that's why when we look at, we look at Saul, we can see his life is full of sin. And we see him on the, on the road to Damascus. He hated the church. He was prepared to walk 150 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus to get permission to persecute more and more Christians. This man was on a a mission to destroy Christianity, to destroy the church. His life was driven by his sinful nature. And you know, if I look, at, I look at my life, and my life is full of sin. Sin that separates me from God. 
And if we're honest with ourselves tonight, our own lives are sinful. You know, we try to, we try to hide our sin, don't we, from, from our families, from our, our spouses, our wives, our husbands, our parents. We try to cover up our sin with successful jobs, with wealth. We even try to hide our sin from God. But we know that, you know, our lives are an open book to Jesus. He knows every thought that goes through our simple minds. Our lives are an open book to Jesus. Do you know, but Jesus loves us so much. It's good news that Jesus came for us. He came for sinful people like me and you and Saul. It's good news that Jesus loves sinners. You know, sometimes when God breaks into, into people's lives, he breaks in, 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 in a dramatic, spectacular way, like Saul's life. He was on the road to Damascus. He was on his way to get permission to, to kill more Christians, to persecute more Christians. His life was, was so dark, so evil, so full of sin. And then we know what happens, don't we? He's confronted by Jesus. Jesus turns up, the light of the world. And Jesus fills his life with light, his dark life. Jesus fills it immensely with with the light of God. And the darkness goes. He fills it so much that he's, he's made blind on that road. He encounters Jesus. And in Jesus, I love this, what Jesus does next. He shows Saul some tough love. Some very tough love. He says, Saul, you know when Jesus calls your name twice, you listen, don't you? Saul, Saul, why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? Saul replies, who are you? Who are you? I love Jesus' response, I am Jesus, the one you hate, the one you hate, the one you persecute. You know, as a dad, as a father, as parents here, we have to show our kids tough love. Because we love our children. I love my kids. Sometimes I have to intervene, I have to stop them, you know, doing their own thing. Not because I want to control their lives. Because I want them, I want the best for them. And that's the same as our Heavenly Father. He wants the best for our lives. You know, he intervened with Saul. He showed Saul tough love. Because he had a plan and a purpose for that man. You know, as Christians, sometimes we're called to have difficult conversations to show tough love to intervene and that's what Jesus does on this dusty road to Damascus he breaks into Saul's life and we see transformation and then we see 
in a vision, Jesus comes to, to Ananias. He says to him, go, go and see this guy named Saul. And you're going to have a very difficult conversation with him. Ananias is like, you're having a laugh. He's a Jesus hater. You want me to go and, and, and lay hands on him and heal, heal him? Yeah, I want you to do that for me. Ananias' response is fair enough, isn't it? How would we feel? He was bricking it. But actually, he, he was obedient to God. He listened to God. He was fearful in meeting him, but obedient to the Holy Spirit. Matt, it's not always easy to show love. Especially when people are against us. But here we see Ananias. He went to Saul. And he addressed him as his brother. Sometimes we're afraid, aren't we, to, to face difficult people because then we, we don't like their motives. We don't like their actions. Nevertheless, we must always follow God's call. And Jesus shows us this in in John 13, 34, we're just going to hear what Jesus says, what John says. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we're called to love, no matter what the situation no matter what the circumstances. We're called to love in difficult situations. We're called to love sinners. We're called to love the broken. You know, as a church, and, and me personally, you know, we try to put God in this box, don't we? I'm guilty of that. We try to make God fit around us. And church, you know, we've got to stop. We can never box God in. We can never keep him contained. We must never li limit God. We must never limit God. He can do anything. You know, we, we've got this amazing verse behind us. It's a challenge, that verse, isn't it? That we can do all things through Christ Jesus who, who strengthens us. We must always try and respond to God's call. Trust and obey God's call. In wherever he tries to lead us. To the difficult people. To the difficult places. Do you know if you feel that God's given you a word for somebody? Can I encourage you to, to share that word? Please, because it's really important. We see Ananias here. He responded to God. I'm just asking you to respond, maybe in your church family, but maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe it's a colleague at work who's not a Christian. Maybe God's saying to you, I want you to encourage him. 
in my word. You know, if you feel prompted to pray for somebody, can I encourage you to do it, get on with it? There's a sense of urgency here. You know, if we're to, if we're to live the story of Acts, we need to be urgent in our response. And sometimes, you know, conversations, they can be, sorry, sometimes conversions, you know, they can be dramatic. But sometimes they're just quiet. They're a quiet experience. There's no right or wrong way to to give your life to the Lord. You know, true conversion comes from a personal encounter with Jesus and leads to a new life in a new relationship with him. We see that with Saul. I've said a lot this evening, and um, but I want you all to know that you're loved and you belong. And tonight, if if you're not a Christian tonight, I'm glad you're here. And I'm going to be bold. I'm saying if you're not a Christian tonight, you know, you need Jesus. You need Jesus in your life. If you're not a Christian tonight, don't go away from this building unless Jesus, unless you invite Jesus into your life. Please. Jesus gives you new life. Jesus transformed a a hater of the Christian faith. And Jesus loved him and transformed Saul's life. So don't go away from this building unless you have Jesus in your heart. And you know, Jesus, he he went to the cross, he died a death that none of us deserved. But he endured, he endured that so willingly. He shed his blood to cover our disgusting sin. He lay in a tomb for three days. So that I, so that we, could be with him for eternity. And three days later, we know the story. He's alive. He's risen. And he's here tonight. So don't go. Don't leave this place unless you encounter Jesus. So what does he want us to do? Like Saul, to turn away. To turn away from our sinful nature to turn our back on our past. We've all got a past. You know, Jesus looks at every one of us and he loves us. I can't get, I can't tell you enough about that. And if I had my phone, you know when people ask you about your kids or your family or what's going on, you say, oh, I love my kids. And you get your phone out because we don't have a, a wallet anymore of our pictures of our kids in. And we say, look, this is, this is Sophie. She's 14, I love her. She can be a pain in the butt, but I love her dearly. Sometimes she hates it when I'm breathing, but I love her. And this is Louis. Look at Louis. He's got such a zest for life. He's the apple of my eye. And this is my wife, Claire. I love Claire. And my dog, Ted. We love Ted. He's a pig, but we love him. He's always at the worktop trying to get food. The apple of my eye. But our Heavenly Father, I can't get over it. He loves me 
and my family more than I could ever imagine. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. He's in heaven now. He's got his iPad and he's going through. Look at all my kids. I love them. Look at all my sons and daughters. I've got Chinese ones. I've got American ones. I've got African ones. They're all my kids. I love them. I love them. They're the apple of my eye. Every one of you. I've got tall ones, fat ones, skinny ones. He's got ones like me who are short. He loves us all. He loves us all. Don't leave here tonight without inviting Jesus into your life. Because he loves you. And none of us deserve this salvation. It's given to us by the grace of God. By the grace of God. We're saved by grace. Every one of us. Thank you that you showed us just how, you, how big your grace was by going to that cross. Just how much you loved us. And through this story of soul, transformation, because you had so much grace. You know, I think I'm going to end here. But I just want everyone to close their eyes. And um, I just would love to give you an opportunity tonight. If you've never accepted Jesus into your life, I just want to give you that opportunity this evening. Just why every eye is closed.